Welcome, friends, to the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 135. This is the episode none of you asked for, uh, where we have your least favorite host run the show. Uh, welcome to the Troll of the Century. I'll be your host at Jonesy Blows Beer. Now, welcome to the Paper Keg Podcast, where a show that talks about the comics we're reading. Later on, there'll be a book club. To everybody's chagrin, the immortal Iron Fist by the voice of generation, Matt Fraction. And your letters. He didn't have a writing partner at all. He didn't have any writing partner during that. Book. Oh, and somebody named Ed Brubaker. It's a little somebody. There we go. All right, so maybe you're a first time listener and you have not yet shut off the program and you're wondering who are these angelic voices that join this high-pitched clown. Uh, first, on our gamut of hosts, the podcast pontiff, uh, the only person on this podcast to receive an award for being an altar boy, and uh, Paper Keg's executive producer, at Slim, welcome to the show. I shine that altar server of the year award every morning, and it's a pleasure to be here to talk about my years as an altar server. Thank you. The other host probably needs no introduction. Uh, well acclaimed in the halls of the internet. Uh, he's been known as the podcast bad boy, the VP of merch, but I like to call him the people's champion. And that is Dale underscore A. Welcome to the show, Dale. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I'm excited to uh, get into this. I'm excited to tell professionalism to eat, s and die. Uh... This show, Jonesy Keg, we're going to, it's going to get real, this episode, you know what I mean? I think it's already real. Jonesy did the intro to the show for the first time in history. Flawless. Props, Jonesy. You pulled that off. Uh, You executed flawlessly. I, I, I bow to you. I bow to you. This is getting pretty vitriolic already with the trolling. The numbers just came in. All subscribers have unsubscribed. So I just want to say it was, it's been fun doing mm-hmm. the show, but we might as well talk uh, about Iron Fist. I just time. surpassed uh, White Noise as the least <laughs> favorite host of the Paper Keg podcast. Okay, so uh, let's get right into it. Phil Collins just had to refund everybody their money <laughs> off this single. Uh, so let's talk about the books that I chose for you to read that you probably uh, cringed over this week. That's right. Jo- uh, Jonesy's, hashtag Jonesy's Choice. We, we forced you into choosing all of our books for the entire episode. And uh, I, you threw a curveball being the Iron Fist trade that I had no desire to ever read as long as I lived on this <laughs> earth. Ever. And that was your pick. A little background, I agonized over giving uh, the Jan Jurgens run. But Jan looking Jurgens. looking back, the the only trade that I thought you could do without backstory was something in the neighborhood of like two hundred and sixty pages. Mm. And even I, uh the troll of trolls could not give you that many pages in four days. I just couldn't do it. So is that like the you're like the king of kings? You're you're comparing yourself to the Jesus of trolls. Is that what's happening? You truly are the king of kings. And it was funny. We had like this discussion in text form where we Jonesy like almost was hoping that it wasn't true, 
he just sent random texts like, are we really doing this? Do I really have to pick the books? And it was, I think it was like 1 a.m. We got these text messages from Jonesy in a panic. Tossing and turning. And none of us none of us answered. And then we just got these random emails saying, here is your, here is the book club. And it was a link to the book. And here is your, your round table book. No other details. <laughs> yeah. You, and it was uh, assigned to us. It was a link to the comic that he wishes us to read. And assignments have been doled out. And uh, he, as a matter of not knowing what he would do for the book club book, he went ahead and he reread the Jan Jurgens run of Thor <laughs> and the Immortal Iron Fist because Jonesy is always prepared for this show. He is, no matter how many days out, no matter, no matter when you ask him if the book club has been read, he read the book club. What, I don't know when he does it. What is going on in your home where you're just willy-nilly fin- finishing 300 pages of, of reading way before Dale or I even begin? <laughs> well, there's something you need to understand about my fragile psyche. <laughs> way back when we did an episode about Swamp Thing, and I think I missed an issue, or we went live and I had not read the entire last issue, and I proceeded to get so lambasted, I got beaten child syndrome, and I knew that I would never go to broadcast day without reading the book club so long as I lived. And so I've been conditioned to curl up in a ball and re- no matter how many hours I've worked, no matter how many you know lashes I have on my back from my wife, just quack, crack, quack, crack, housework, work, or whatever, right. I, uh, I curl up in that ball and I read uh, the book club for the week. And that's just the... Uh, that's just how I do it. That makes guys. sense because anytime we even have a hint of a, an idea of what book club it is, Jones immediately asks for confirmation and then like almost <laughs> starts reading right away. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, Iron Fist, we doing Iron Fist? I'll, I'm downloading right now. Download right now. I'm almost done. Im- immediately <laughs> downloading, purchasing. Immediately. It's, it's speaking of uh, fragile minds. Uh, just so, just peek behind the curtain, uh, listeners. Uh, both Please. Dale and Slim understand that the greatest way to troll me is to just not respond <laughs> to a message I send. So I'm sure that I said, am I really doing this, guys? Dot, dot, dot. And they both got on a separate group text and were like, this is what we're going to do. It's 1 p.m. No responses till 2 a.m. the following day. And it ate at me uh, pretty badly. I don't even, th- but, but the thing is, it, that doesn't even need to be a discussed. We just know. We don't need a text. <laughs> There's confirming. no speaking just, between Dale and I. We both look at the text and know instinctively yeah. that there'll be no response. Guys, we are running out of tape. Oh, wow. We okay. need to get into the books that you've read by my request. So the guy I most want to hear from is Dale underscore A. What did you think of the book I chose for you? Boy, Jonesy. Uh, I don't know. Jonesy went ahead and assigned me the book, Our Love is Real. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Sam Humphreys, Stephen Sanders. Our Love is Real seems to be a little one-shot dealy. Um, It might be digital only. I don't know. Is that the wiki page is telling you? it uh, (laughs) It might be locked up in some sort of... um, Museum for the sick and creepo twisted. <laughs> uh, Our love is real. Is about a a future in which humans live, and and it's almost like the thought of um loving each other is out of the question. 
It is, I don't know if it's against the law or if people have just evolved past that and have moved on to loving dogs, uh, it being intimate with minerals, geodes and, and, the, and the like, and uh, also uh, robots. Robots, of course, are the, uh, the uh, mineralologists, I believe they're called. Hold on, let me see. Uh, uh, no, the mineral mineral sexuals. Okay, the veggie sexuals have relations with uh, doped up plants. They give the plants, you know, drugs and UV light in order, to, and then love them in ways, in, in physical ways. And uh, the cops of this of this town, this world, they're pretty much exclusive to dogs. And when this one cop, Jock, he's got a real wild bee, he says, bee being the female dog. And uh, then he approaches a, a woman who uh, he's trying to clear out from a riot who reveals herself as a, uh, a, a mineral sexual. So she is sort of like Demolition Man with the headset, mm. with the thing she puts on her head. She ends up uh, feeling the aura of a mineral putting the aura of the mineral inside of her, okay? Getting her rocks but, off. But, but <laughs> during this time, the cop, he's got these strange feelings. This woman uh, feels, smells clean, doesn't smell like an animal, probably because she's not laying with a dog. Uh, the woman feels there's something that, that entices, and, he's, and he has these weird feelings. He goes back to the locker room at the police station, and all, these, uh, all the other cops start teasing him about loving a woman and uh you know if, if his if his bee is going to get jealous his actual female dog at home ready to uh service service his every desire china was the dog's name with a y uh he ends up um kind of he, he busts in this girl's house cuz he can't he can't stop thinking about her he goes in he kisses her because he can't stop thinking about her. She reveals herself to be a man. <laughs> the end uh, The end of the story ends with him being uh, killed on purpose, but then his ashes, uh, the man-woman, mineral sexual, compresses his ashes into a mineral so they can be together forever. Uh, our love is real. Sounds, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. Uh, I was, I didn't, I mean, the scenes where the dog, there's no, there's no privates, but there's much implied via doggy style, man, dog. I mean, Jonesy, what did you do? Did you scour the app <laughs> looking for this? Did you, why didn't you just give me X Factor number two, Amazing <laughs> X-Men number three just came out this week. You give me this. I mean, at least this at least give me scalped. I'd read scalped. I'd read the stray bullets. <laughs> this is paper keg nights stuff. I uh, I don't know. I guess I was torn between mm, torn knowing between knowing the way <laughs> that you'd have to describe this book on air, yeah. which uh, I found hilarious, and two um, refer to my first reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason Aaron has a quote on the back of the book. A splendidly perverse and eye-poppingly gorgeous fistful of futuristic fun. There you go. 
This was Jason uh, Aaron for you. You know who wrote uh, Our Love is Real, or did you already say that? Your boy, Sugar Sam Humphreys. Sugar Sam Humphreys is a boxer now. He's a boxer. (laughs) This was a big, uh, this was one of his big creator-owned self-published books way back when. He, yeah, he, uh, he thanks Chip Mosier Ah. in the uh, cover of the book. Um, yeah, that's, that was what it was. I, I chuckled, I cringed, I, I, you got me, Jonesy. You got me. You win. I succeed, I secede from the union. A victory. Paper keg union. Tastes like ashes in my mouth. So, the next host read a book also chosen by me, uh, totally opposite of his likes, I think, when I picked it. Slim, you want to go ahead and talk about I... your book? As I as I refreshed my email app, Jonesy sent another one of his vague, stoic emails and told me what my roundtable would be, and it was none other than Dark Tower, the Gunslinger number one <laughs> from uh, Marvel, Peter David, uh, Robin Firth, Jay Lee, Richard Eisenhoff, you know the colors from Origin. Mm-hmm. And of course, Stephen King. You know, I think this is a, a popular book series. I'm not sure with uh, people that love books. When it came out, it was a big to do for Marvel. You know, they're oh, yeah. adapting this book series. Aren't there like 30 books for the Dark Tower series? I think. Like oh no, I think it's less than least. 10. Um, so I have no idea. I remember. Um, I remember when this first came out. I was working at my other job, and there was a. Was um, Dark Tower fan that read the books, and I told him that there was a comic book adaptation. He was really interested in it. So this is a Jay Lee uh, drawn book, Richard Eisenhoff pencil or a uh, color, so gorgeous looking. Um, and it's about this kid in this world who is training to training to get his father's guns and he's being trained by this big fat bald man who is pushing everyone to their limits so they're training but not with guns they're training with falcons or hawks uh, as their weapons we must have got our books switched up (laughs) I think our emails crossed Or, or did we so they're training, uh, somehow they're using these birds as weapons uh, to attack their teacher to, you know, achieve maximum prowess. And we don't really know why they're doing this. It's just the way things are in this world. You don't and, question. And I, yeah, I didn't question it. I just said, okay, Stephen King, you go ahead. And there's a weird vernacular that they use. It's kind of like slangy, like we we talked about in the um, other book club that we did, where people talked funky. I can't remember what, what it was. It wasteland. The last, wasteland. Last episode, four days ago. <laughs> four days ago. Uh, and that was kind of off-putting a little bit. But there's something happening between this kid's mother, and she's having a sloppy affair with this mess and of a, a man. dog. With a dog, probably. It wasn't a dog. It was a man that this kid doesn't see eye-to-eye with, shocker. And uh, so he decides that he needs to become the man he's destined to be, but sooner than expected. So he challenges this teacher figure to a fight, 
And if he loses this fight, as is law, he must be exiled. But if he wins the fight, he gets his uh, guns and uh, can do whatever the hell he wants, I guess. So um, so that happens. Uh, gorgeous Jay Lee art. The first three quarters of it was such a uh, slog to get through. Like the There wasn't kind of enough world building in the first issue, I think. They didn't, like, you're in a different universe, you're in a different world, and they don't really explain, like, they kind of tell you what the tradition is, but in, like, the weird local twang, where I was like, just tell me what the hell's going on, you have to use your funky accents and your your dialect to make me feel into it, Um, but by the end of it, I was actually more interested than I thought I was going to be, the Jay Lee stuff is obviously gorgeous, everything about it is gorgeous, um... But the it took a while to get to the point where I was invested in it. But I, I, I was actually interested. The last page, I enjoyed it. And actually, funnily enough, I actually have this book in print. And I just f- totally forgot about it until the last page. Um, it was like one of those where I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty big. I should probably buy it. And it's in a long box somewhere. But um, Now they're like issuing copies of the first volume to uh, anyone who walks in a laundromat. Yeah, stores. the uh, laundromat down the street. They're just handing them out. Yeah. Um, so, Jonesy, is this one of your one of your favorite series? What's the background for you in this book? Uh, I actually I love uh, the first novel of the Dark Tower series, The Gunslinger. Uh, I've only read two out of the eight, uh, and I really didn't feel the need to progress past two. Two is a very convoluted, but the first story the first novel is really learning who the gunslinger is and he chases his uh foe across the desert and it's a very existential like wild west story and and arthurian legend story and uh the premise behind um roland who is the main character is he this is an alternate earth that the dark tower takes place in and uh arthurian legend in this alternate reality is real and uh, through the line of Arthur Pendragon are these two revolvers is actually melted down Excalibur. Hmm. So it's like a retelling of the Athorian legend as he, you know, chases his enemy across the desert. And this series is supposed to be like the retelling of Athorian legend with these characters like that you would find in the Once and Future King. And it's got a big Stephen King twist. And I'd had a desire to read it for a long time. And I know that your interests are not the high fantasy realm. So I didn't mm-hmm. know how you'd react to a high fantasy book. And I knew I'd get you with the art. So. Did, you, did you say that there's another twist or that is the twist, that it's the Arthurian legend? No, that is, that is the twist. Okay. It's kind of like a dark version of the Knights of the Round Table with Roland playing the Arthur role. Why would, they actually, be training, why would they be training with birds if they're going to be using guns? Falconry is big. In that I don't remember Arthur I don't, I don't being know big why. into falconry at any point of any uh, <laughs> King Arthur stories or the Sword in the Stone. I don't think there's any falconry happening. It's the oldest sport in the world. All right, it's over three thousand year old. Is that 3, right? Years old falconry. You're gonna tell. You're gonna throw me that fact where you scoffed at my off-air fact that singers <laughs> are advised to not sing Sting publicly. Well, I I, mean, I just don't know how founded that. Uh, fact is, I if I could get some you, hard you data, you were vehement pe- against that statement. You almost slapped me in the mouth when I told you that. 
Well, I mean, I personally, I could probably sound like Sting if I really tried. <laughs> Other people I could do much the same. I don't know how many people are advised against trying to sing like Sting. This Watch isn't any American Whitney. Idol season in history, and Thank it comes you. up every year. The Voice. Oh. You ever heard of that show? It's on Fox. Tuesdays, That's 9 p.m. Just made that's that falsified di- uh, information. Jonesy you just told the NBC community to go to ES and die. Dale obviously is wrong. We need to move <laughs> to you. What what did you pick I'm for yourself? Did you even through. read a book? I did. I, I see with you guys reading my choices. I get to read whatever I want this last week and pick it. So I picked Daredevil thirty five. Oh. Uh, brilliant issue that's got to wrap up this series. Uh, you know the the Serpent Men. This threat is ending. Or is it? How about that? Uh, how about that last panel? How about that last panel? I, Dale, have you read it yet? No, I haven't read it yet. Come on, right, I'm not, not going to take it a spoiler town. We but, should do uh, Rucka style all every issue of Daredevil. Mm, stop it! God. Oh, just Jesus. made it move. Stop it! I just knocked my iPad off of the table <laughs> like a Labrador Retriever would with his tail, <laughs> but I don't have a tail. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> What do you th- uh, do? You think that that last panel that we will just allude to vaguely, I will is legit. I will say this statement. What are you saying? To the only writer I would ever trust to take us down that path again <laughs> is Mister Mark Wade. And Dale gets it. Now. I think he, it's semi legit. He, it <laughs> he has no idea. Again? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, uh, Lightning Round, two sentences or, le- uh, sentences or less. Another book you read this week by my choice. Uh, Dale. Gateway, A New World, an IDW comic created by Joe Halpin Sr. and Jr. Uh, Pencils and Inks, Juan Francisco Boyano. Gateway, A Gentleman Dies... And ends up in another dimension slash purgatory, question mark? I was pretty interested in this book to see if this was purgatory, question mark? I I will keep reading this, period. That was six sentences. It's fine. It was five. Also, the first sentence made it sound like you were revealing Oscar nominations. With what you spoke in those credits, it was amazing. Just putting my uh, reel together, my reel to reel for (laughs) Black Dynamite, IDW, (laughs) Dynamite, Dynamite. If you enjoyed the movie as much as I did, you will enjoy this issue, Michael Jai White. R.I.P. Love you. <laughs> I'm not sure he's dead. Uh, the Superior <laughs> Spider-Man episode, I'm sorry, episode, issue 25, uh, the Venom arc, Superior Venom arc, coming to an end, what was mostly a convoluted arc has led us to a crystal clear path to the end of the Osborns or the beginning Arado Octavius? Dale, did you read that issue yet? No, I haven't. Re- I've been reading Jonesy's books all. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read anything. 
all I want to talk about is that Superior Spider-Man the Fireside, and now we'll just have to wait. Yeah, that's fine. The Immortal Iron Fist. We can take a 15-minute break and then go back to the Fireside. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry. It's been it's been 12 hours since the book came out. You guys ready? You guys ready for yeah, this? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I am ready for your comments. Uh, the Immortal Iron Fist, uh, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Aja on art. Uh, 2009, the reboot of one of the most panned characters in the Marvel pantheon and his way into the modern era. Uh, Slim, why don't you give us a, a synopsis of this volume? Man, I was not prepared for this. Yowza. Dale, Dale, uh, you can jump in and help him out at any point. I can uh, I can start off here. Danny Good Rand. Good luck, Slim. The immortal Iron Fist, as he's been called. You know, you might have seen this lame character in you know <laughs> your your own opinion with the Heroes for Hire gang. He wears a green little outfit and a hat mask. He uh, has the power of a dragon with iron fists that flame up essentially. So kind of a B character. He's like the he could be considered the booster gold of Marvel. But in this series, they delve into the history of the Iron Fist and the Kun Loon. You know, the group that he was trained by and has given him these mystical powers. Something has happened that brings out another original Iron Fist character who is isn't his grandfather. And he's he's in a spot of trouble. He fought in the World War. He used guns. That's how he kind of used his iron fists. He powered the dragon's fire as bullets. And he <laughs> I don't even... he he meets up with Danny Rand. Meanwhile, Danny Rand has gotten into even more trouble with his own corporation. He's kind of like Bruce Wayne, which I didn't even realize. He's a Richie Rich. Yep. Um, and the the Hydra are trying to do a deal with his company. Apparently make some fancy magnetic trains. No big deal. A couple billion dollars here and there. But he scoffs at the deal at the last minute. He's like, mm, I don't know what's going on. I don't like what's going on in China right now. You're Chinese. Deal's off. Actually, really racist scene, if I might jump in there. And uh, it turns out this guy's Hydra. It was a good idea to say no. But the Hydra are trying to buy Rand Corp while this is going on to get all the the magnetic train things going. So on top of that, you find out that um, Randall Orson, which was the guy's name, or Orson Randall, the Orson original Randall. Iron Fist, the reason you find out the reason why he's been in hiding for so many years, he went against the tradition of the Kun Loon, and now they've come to um make a, make reparations for that error and they are they're forced to do battle against some bad people the immortal iron fist the last immortal iron fist brava brava slash <laughs> you tried your best tried my best <laughs> it's no feat replacing jonesy at what he's he does he's irreplaceable he he's is the, the best immortal at what he does jonesy loves beer <laughs> what he is so I, well, first of all, once I saw this email, I just threw my phone in the garbage. I, I I'd like this... you to repeat uh, your one-sentence reply to all of this, <laughs> if you could. 
I stated that I've made a terrible mistake. And yeah. then I <laughs> forgot about this whole thing until this morning, and then I finally started reading it. Um, I've bashed Danny Rand for many years. Everyone knows that. I'm not going to get into that. I won't do it. Um, but I did read it. And it wasn't bad. I'm not going to say that it was the book that I'll give to non-comic readers because I see this trade passed around a lot. It's like, oh, you need to read The Immortal Iron Fist or The Last Iron Fist. You need to read this. You're an idiot if you don't read it. Um, it was good, but it wasn't. it didn't knock my socks off. I'll say that. There were some spots I was really super confused by. The art was very interesting because I thought it was just David Aha, Aja, but it actually wasn't. Travel Foreman, who rose to notoriety by doing Animal Man from the New 52, actually drew, um, for the most part of the series, the flashback scenes. And they had a different artist do another sort of flashback, and Aja did present day. And I was actually really surprised at his art style for the majority of the book. It's, I, I imagine that he's, a, he's an artist that can change his style, like a pitcher can change his pitches. Um, because it was a very different style than I was expecting. I kind of was expecting Hawkeye art, to be honest. And you see that a little bit, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a variation. Um, yeah, you you see you can see his Hawkeye art rooted in this, but it, this definitely took a different turn, a little more like smudgy or sketchy in in mm-hmm. in the details of ones. Uh, I was really features. surprised that Danny Rand is essentially Bruce Wayne slash Green Arrow. Like, I was actually surprised that he's just some rich guy when he has a corporation and he owns buildings in this town and it helps him get around. I didn't expect that at all. I had no idea that that was the case. I think especially because in the rest of the Marvel U, you never hear reference to Rand Corp like you do Stark Industries mm-hmm. or some of the other big big uh, names. Yeah. Like, Rand Corp is barely mentioned. Yeah, I mean, this totally shocked me i thought it was a gag or it was like a dream sequence or something but what did um dale what did you think uh (laughs) i was confusingly pleasantly surprised uh much like slim i think i i read the first issue a couple years ago when a friend recommended it to me and he was like splurting at the fact that it was like there was an old Iron Fist, but he had a gun. The, like I'm, spo- I'm supposed to be impressed by that statement. Uh, I don't care about the old Iron Fist. I don't care that he has a gun. But you know, I I pushed my way through this, and what I got, I liked. But there were certain aspects of the book that I just couldn't understand. And even on a reread, I don't I don't even know if anybody could explain it to me. First thing. The uh, the steel viper, the steel serpent, steel serpent. I don't know. I, st- <laughs> I don't know why he's there. It, he is uh, Liu Kang's son, right? Yep. Uh, but why? I don't know why was now he was exiled because Danny Rand's father exiled him, or Orson Randall exiled he, him. Yeah, I I actually don't know don't the know. exact premise of which he was launched out of Kunlun, but he's I guess in the previous. Uh, Iron Fist runs. He's been like the uh, the exact opposite 
like villain so like he's the opposite kung fu guy that battles iron fist mm-hmm. he's the dark iron fist the uh, and and that fact alone i liked like as much as the backstory that they tried to give me on him i i like the fact that there was you know a bizarro iron fist that that uh they had a you know a villain to fight that was much like them no matter what kind of like lore they tried to pay, they give the guy um that was a that was a confusing part the another confusing part was they mentioned a whole lot about Danny Rand's dad but i still don't understand i'm guessing he was an iron fist too it's, unfortunately it, well, it sounded the bulk like of the second volume goes into Danny's father mm. There was only, I actually was super confused by that until pretty much the last two pages of the book because it shows, and I didn't realize it until like the second time they showed the characters, but Randall uh, takes in this kind of kid that worked at a bar and I guess that becomes Danny Rand's father. Yeah, correct. And the kid really wants to become an Iron Fist, but Orson Randall... Randall, I'm sorry if that's not, is it Randall Orson? It is, Orson Randall. Orson Randall says you know don't i i won't let you go through it you'll just you'll just end up dead it'll bring you nothing but pain and and my point of view was that's why he never became the iron fist and that's why he journeyed to america because i should, after that page i had to zip through the first issue and be like what was the story he was telling about his dad about how he knew about the iron fist but for whatever reason never became one and that's how i pieced the two together but yeah, it was it was confusing, and I actually was like, for for whatever reason, was super annoyed that Iron Fist never asked if he was his grandfather until like the fifth to last page, and I was like, wouldn't that be the like the first question you would ask when you see this guy who <laughs> who apparently knew your father or whatever? Um, what were some of the other things that um, were on your list, Dale? Because I'm interested to know. Um, I think the way that Danny Rand was affected when Orson Randall was using his power, the Kun Loon, and he would, uh, he basically, Rand was like doubled over in pain. That kind of turned into, it was addressed that, you know, he's learning to deal with it, but he, he doubles over in pain because he's like, somebody else has the fist and that's not supposed to happen. And then Orson Randall introduces himself and they're and almost like in the next issue they're already working together. There's no sort of interaction as to what the heck Orson Randall's doing there and who they are. They're just automatically like a buddy buddy team up. Mm. Yeah, I found that especially knowing too, because in that time gap uh between those two issues, uh Orson's already begun teaching Danny like alternate kung fu techniques. That mm-hmm. are you know uh, ostensibly Iron Fist legend that are written down, and you know Danny doesn't know about it because all the records ha- have been removed by Orson. So Orson's got this treasure trove of secrets, and uh, if they were gonna, and they do a ton of world building in this volume, even without kind of beating you over the head with Kung Loon, and, and they really mm-hmm. don't expose you to it that much. But there's a ton of world building, so I felt it was strange that they would skip. The world building where Danny learns more kung fu because isn't that his character? So right. that, w- that was a strange beat to me too. Yeah, because all of a sudden there's another Iron Fist, which is never you know Danny was under the impression that this was never supposed to happen that way, and this Iron Fist has a gun, which 
makes like you want to cheer when he says, you know, uh, this gun, like the previous one who used arrows, it was like lightning from God. So you think this Orson Randall is going to be B.A. with this gun, but he's just he's not any more or less effective than Danny Rand. Like his gun doesn't mean anything in the end. Well, unfortunately, I don't know if you caught the premise that he's been kind of like high on opium for the last, you know, 80 or so years. Mm. So, like, he he openly admits that he's not at top shape. That's why he has a gun? Uh, I I would assume so. They don't really go out and tell you. But uh, his backstory is that he left uh, Kung Loom because they wanted him to fight in a tournament. And you know, apparently there's other city, capital cities of heaven. And uh, the destiny is to, for the champions of these cities, the Iron Fist being one of them, is to fight to the death. So he didn't want that. He he didn't want to kill you know his comrades. So he leaves. But they can track his chi because he's the Iron Fist. Right. So you know whatever he uses the fist, like it's like a beacon to everybody else where he is. So he discovers that the only way to dampen it is to basically keep himself high as a kite and kind of F with the natural, you know, pathways of his body. So he hooks himself up to, like, an opium den for, like, the better part of 60 or 80 years to hide from Kun Loon, which is why Danny never felt, you know, a disturbance in the force, as it were, before this. Hmm. You, you, made, you just made sense of this book. For me. It, like, makes me angry. Like, what kind of a hero would do that? Like, well, why would you just run and hide for 60 years? Like, well, that, uh, I think that's kind of the premise of Orson Randall is that he doesn't see Iron Fist as a heroic job. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he started out, but then he knows that it's not really a great, uh, it is a great honor, but it's not really something that's, you know, cohesive to a normal life. What about the scene where. It was like a flashback, and I think it was a travel foreman where I think they show Randall like meditating or something, and then he's um, assaulted, and then he kills like the one woman. Was that the point where they t- where they told him that he needed to fight in the tournament, and he killed this person? And then, do you remember that? Yeah, he killed a. I want to say one of Crane uh, Mother's champion, and I can't remember what her character name is. It's revealed in a later volume. So he kills one of the champions in his effort to escape, and then that city demands Orson Randall's life for oh, her. Okay. And that's why he goes on the run, because his own people are looking for him, because they're like, you know, this is treason for him to kill one of the other champions. So he's just, he's like on the run. Hmm. Hmm. How, how about uh, Danny Rand's, like, Alfred Lucius Fox character, Jerwin? His what a boob. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that is absolutely right. His mother is kidnapped to f- to force him to do this deal with Hydra, and he keeps that from Danny Rand. Danny Rand is an Iron Fist superhero. Why would you keep that yeah. a secret? And, and it's not like he doesn't know his identity. Yeah. And Danny Rand, Danny Rand can call the Avengers if he needs to. He could call somebody if it's out of his wheelhouse. He would rather lose this company to Hydra who, do, who wants to do God knows what with the technology than tell Danny Rand the Iron Fist or the Avengers that his mother is kidnapped and also I I liked um, Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire but it was an issue one where Luke Cage tells Danny that Misty has is starting this new Heroes for Hire and then later yeah. he and they registered 
Yeah, like, but Jerwin yeah, is, is like of a war. Jerwin is contacting all three of them towards the end of the series, so it was kind of like, well, what the heck happened? I thought Misty was on the outs yeah. with this crew, and now they're buddies again. Yeah, now Luke's okay, like, fighting with this registered... Is it, like, to prove that no matter what, Danny's number one registered or not? It was interesting. I don't know. I guess maybe in that time era, or that time period of comics, we'd know more. Maybe, like, in between issues one and six, they all became best friends again. I don't know. Yeah, maybe in another in a Civil War tie-in or something. Oh, God, yeah. You know, one something thing like I didn't that. know that I got introduced to is apparently Iron Fist and Misty Knight have had a long story, mm. you know, yeah, love affair. In there. Good for them. Good for them. How about Luke oh. Cage's comment of, why don't you two get gay married? Do you remember that line? Yeah, how about Iron? <laughs> how about Luke Cage not being the Brian Michael Bendis Luke Cage that we all know and love? He's like, it's all salty in this. He's very he mouthy. Salty. Very he was mal- he's very mouthy. I just thought that, I thought that comment was really strange. I never heard anyone say, get yeah. gay married. <laughs> Why, why wouldn't you just say married? It's insinuated that they're both women, you know? Oh, Luke. The, I liked, I mean, but I liked it overall. Like, I, as much as the, you know, I'm kind of like, I was on the bubble with the, the Kun Loon stuff, and I really like, I like the concept, and I was, you know, I liked it for that reason. I followed along. You know, it, once you, if you, they got in the ins and outs of Kun Loon and Lei Kang and, and whoever else. Like That kind of like almost pushes me away, but I, I hang in there because I, I like the concept of it. I really do. And uh, I stuck with it because of that reason. I really liked it. It's just, you know, the confusing bits really kind of confused me. And also, um, if you look at like Hawkeye, for instance, like Danny Rand... Slash Iron Fist, he, you, it's kind of get a bead on what kind, like his personality, he doesn't really have a personality. He doesn't really have anything that sets him apart from AIM, AIM scientist or Hydra ninja. Like he's just Danny Rand who has a problem with selling trains to China. But there's <laughs> there's no real like something that makes him quirky and Danny Rand in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the supporting elements of the story i think more that i enjoyed the iron fist character i think it could have been any kung fu based hero it didn't have to be danny rand but i kind of uh love the stories that have like good world building and have a little bit of mysticism and mm-hmm. and aren't necessarily totally high fantasy and art to- i mean this reminds me a lot of you know kill bill and kind of like homages to like kung fu movies and Bruce Lee, and I think it really stands out, and I really enjoy that. Like, uh, I enjoy Moth City for that same reason. It's like an homage to those great, you know, Enter the Dragon and, you know, all those great films that came out in the 70s, and that's what really caught me. I don't know that Iron Fist really sets me on fire as a character, but this Mm -hmm. run, you know, just hit a lot of notes for me. I mean, Orson Randall reminded me of the Grey Ghost. I mean, there was just a bunch of... You know, cool little concepts that I love. The uh, the tome, the stories of the uh, the old uh, Iron Fist kind of reminded me of, like, the Assassin's Creed games and, like, the vault of knowledge and power and stuff like that. It was just had enough notes that kind of intrigued me. And I don't know if I would pick up 
the next Iron Fist book, if it's ever going to come out in Marvel, but I am glad that I read this entire run because I did get something out of it in the end. And I I think they did a good job. Like, I like the fact that they were able to make a mostly cohesive uh, coexistence between the the Kunlun mysticism and New York City. I liked how, you know, they kind of give the Iron Fist a reason and you can kind of understand and get behind the iron fist himself. I, 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 I really liked how they, they, they executed on that very well. Yeah. It's kind of a, a situation. How I understood it was, you know, iron fist has this whole honor tradition and job he's supposed to do somewhere else. But Danny Rand is kind of a, a man like his father trying to get away and, and live his own life and, walk his own path but he keeps getting brought back to this kind of like role he's decided to take or this responsibility that you know is in tune with his life yeah and then i like how the very end he's almost like submissive like probably because of orson randall he learns to respect and obey his responsibility as the iron fist and uh the two Kunlun fellas show up and he basically just stops what he's doing. He's like, uh, yeah, this is, this is what I got to do. This is my responsibility. So I got to go to this tournament. Now, does the next book go into the, like the mortal Kombat? Yeah. And it is of, a lot like uh, a version of mortal Kombat. It's uh, the seven capital cities of heaven. And it's, and there's these really cool, um, caricatures of like classic Kung Fu heroes. There's like a sumo wrestler named fat Cobra, and like there's a bunch, like there's all these like goofy champions and that, but the book is uh, very serious. It's all about <laughs> the backstory of Davros, the the serpent character. That's kind of like his volume to shine. Oh, so that's right, because he lives. He's is he in the tournament? Yep, he is in the tournament. And uh, one thing I forgot in the tournament that they kind of slip into the last issue of this volume is, you know, Danny Rand touches Orson Randall's heart, physically touches it, and absorbs his chi. And uh, is that cheating? Well, no, no. But you don't you don't really realize that it gives him the power of two iron fists, and that is a slow play that doesn't like all the way to the last issue. You realize that that was done. Pur- it was planted there on purpose. And uh, I just when I read the first volume, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that that's where it happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured that would uh, play somehow into something because they wouldn't have him like touch the heart of the iron fist like he had to touch the the, the heart uh, of the dragon the heart of the dragon which is cool it's just a cool kung fu-y concept I, I think it's really cool kung fu-y slim any final comments um i actually when i was reading i tried to look back and wonder what the time frame was for matt fraction's career in writing like it just seems like an odd pairing like i couldn't remember if this was early in his writing career and he he was maybe like early in Marvel stuff where he was like helping out Brubaker, kind of like how Spencer did some Hickman Avengers stuff when they co-wrote stuff. It's just very interesting pairing and I would I be th- curious to know what the background was for that. Did he eventually take over the book solely, Jonesy? I'm, I th- for some reason I thought he did. but I He does. I, I, think, I think possibly the second volume is all him. Definitely by the, I'm sure definitely by the third it is. Wow, three volumes so, Iron Fist? I think it's a total there's of a, five. Like six or seven. Oh my. Five that are collected, I think. Wow. Or five. Yeah. 
And then uh, after that, they the end. There's a definitive end to this arc. This whole arc is, you know, there's a definite finish to the things they start here. And after that, the series is over. So I'll be interested to know if it sold poorly, which I'm sure him not being a title, you know, flagship hero, I'm sure it didn't, you know, set the world on fire. But mm-hmm. Yeah, but if, if you're saying five volumes at least, I mean, that's like 30 issues. That's really not bad. That's two plus years of a comic going. I mean, that's really pretty strong for I think something like the Iron for Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and I also think uh, one note I wanted to say: if like if this was a new hero, like if we didn't have all the baggage that we have with Iron Fist and like the years of ragging on him for his dumb collar and his weird why does he have to bear his chest you know V neck that he wears. Like if the, like if you could forget all that, and this was a creator own book, and this was the story, I think we would have limitless praise for what they do with the story, hmm. you know. Versus us always having to have lameo here's for hire Iron Fist in the back of our heads when reading. Yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting uh, to point out. Yeah, I mean it's really something to think about because you might be onto something. Okay, well that that's that's it, guys. This is the. Uh, only time I'll be trusted uh, with the paper cake experience. So I'm uh, assuming that this will be the lowest number of downloads for this uh, uh, podcast program ever. And I'm happy to preemptively hold that title. And I just but, want to think. But is it the chicken or the egg? Is it because it was Jonesy themed or was it because we did Iron Fist as the book club? <laughs> so we'll never be able to know for sure. I think uh, it's a double whammy. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't be happy unless this was the underdog of our catalog. Jesus. Here we go. The the person who cannot be matched. Don't, don't try directly. to sing like Sting. Only <laughs> one person on earth can. Iron Man. And that's it. Our DJ. Yeah, just as a parting shot, guys, go ahead and Google Robert Downey Jr. singing uh, Driven to Tears with Sting. It's uh, it's an amazing piece of work. Uh, thank you all. We'll return to our regularly scheduled format on the next episode. And uh, thanks for the opportunity out there in Radio Land. And it's my destiny to be the king of pain. See, two of us just did it. <laughs> but none of us were any good at it. God, I love this song. Mm. Maybe I did pick something he liked this week. Beautiful song to be. So you're saying, Dale, that you could, they could be playing the song that RDJ sang to, you would walk into the room we'd have a mic set up and you could sing just as good as robert downey jr i don't know I'm i just think we should not, put this maybe to not the test. me i think we should i'm saying not maybe not me but somebody
somebody out there. <laughs> I, I think we need to play the audio here. And just, Dale, I want you to listen to this. And this is who you have to beat, okay? This is it. Worst fireside ever. <laughs> it's all RDJ and Sting music. This is the only way I would have wanted it. There's about 40 minutes of drums, so just forward a little bit until we get. I think it might lyrics. be 45, 50 minutes of drums. Uh, 46, 18, uh, by my Listen, estimation. Listeners are going to love that. Love it. <laughs> Go ahead, Dale. If you could just jump in right now and <laughs> just take the baton from Iron follow Man. His, follow his lead. It's a little John Mayer-ish plus Sting. What do you think, Dale? You ready to jump in there? It is. It's like, yeah, John Mayery, Dave Matthews-y kind of. Reminds me of Bruce Springsteen where he sounds like he's singing through gritted teeth the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that, it, yeah that too. It's, it was absolutely effortless. And I, I am tired of the RDJ fluffing as the next guy. <laughs> but he deserves every fluff, fluff necessary after watching this. The, I was the, uh, in awe. In was this awe. The, was this the Sandy fundraiser? What was this? I, I think this is the 60th birthday celebrity bash. He walked out unassuming in an obviously Somebody amazing come. suit and destroyed it. Like he had literally been on tour with them for two decades. <laughs> like he could do it in his oh sleep. He uh, He's good friends with Sting, I think, in, like, in real life. I know that... Uh, yeah, I think they, they performed before on like SNL or something, maybe like yeah, a decade ago or something. It it was a big deal in like the early two thousands. They were like the uh, the bromance of the era. Tantric sex talks. He probably constantly. calls him Bob. Stinks probably like yeah, I know Bob Downey. They're probably really close like that. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Downey. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Downey. Downey thanks, guys. Mister Bobby Downey Jr. And this weird sting accent. <laughs> See, you can't even do a sting accent. That's why you don't do <laughs> That's sting why accents sing. and singing as him. Oh my god, this is a comic book podcast, I swear, guys. <laughs> so what uh what did you guys read this week that you liked? Anything? That was like uh what was the first time that we did the fireside, I think Jonesy remember he posed that that staged question <laughs> <to> that. <laughs> I said, uh, you know what people ask me, Slim? They ask, what podcast do I listen to? I'll oh, never forget it. Amazing. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> you guys. So, oh, uh, big, big announcement next week, book club-wise. Oh, God. Huge, huge. announcement. This is going to be probably the biggest show we've ever done. One of the biggest I've ever heard of. Uh, Jonesy, of course, has already read it, <laughs> so he's prepared. Uh, get this, Vertigo's go at Brian K. Vaughn's Swamp Thing, Volume One. Oh God! Yeah, I am Are super you excited ready? to read this. Are yeah, you so kidding am I. I me? I literally can't wait. Are you kidding me, Cliff Chang? I didn't even know this book was a thing until I saw it one day. Yeah. How does this just sneak under the radar? Brian K. Vaughn, Swamp Thing, is like the Sting and RDJ (laughs) of Vertigo Comics. They're just like... No one tries to replicate it. I don't know. Listeners, you can't see the Google Hangout 
on your podcast app, but Slim is staring off into a direction with just the ghost of a smile on his face with RDJ, Bobby Downey Jr., just in his earbuds right now. I mean, I would throw my shorts at him if I were in that audience. That sensual just hum of a, of a voice. He's going to sign off tonight, put on the big headphones, sink it to his couch, listen to this on his iPad over and over again with the Outs- lights off. Outside of Iron Fist, we talked about comics for about 20 minutes. This whole this whole show, maybe. Otherwise, it was Sting. It was singing as Sting. <laughs> How not to do it. And RDJ and Jonesy hosting. Do you think? Be honest, Jonesy. Do you think your hosting promo reel from this episode will maybe get you on the Echo Riff Pop Culture Podcast? Finally, no. I I think them getting me on the show is the ultimate troll. I'm sure uh, Connolly underscore Mike uh, giggles to himself. Every time he thinks of me coming on the show, be like, that'll never happen. He probably waits for you to write a letter so he can just tear you into nothing. <laughs> like he did to K. He, Allen Boone. He Poor is, uh, it is the ultimate high concept troll reading somebody's letter like Mike Connolly does. I don't think K. Allen Boone has left the house since, he, since that letter was read on the air on that podcast. He probably thinks all of his emails are being mocked. Work emails. I mean, he's afraid to send an email. He's, he walks around like Stephen Dorff in, like, Blade. Like, he's afraid <laughs> to go out in the sun. He's pale skin. <laughs> Did somebody uh, Photoshop Mike and Don's heads on Statler and Waldorf yet? I mean, why, who, why do I have to wait so long for this to happen? If only you had any kind of computer skill yeah, whatsoever, you could, nope, you you could put that together. I... I'm not going to lie, I struggle with the concept of sending an Outlook invite today, and I uh, almost came close to refusing to do it. Oh my God. Praise praise the Lord that you were able to power through that tough time. Talk to your union rep. Things got all <laughs> sorted out. How about this? I'll, I'll be uh, in Dale's Neck of the Woods all day on Tuesday. Whoa. Really? All day. And I was you like, guys- hey, Dale, what about, what about a drinky poo? And he's like, uh-uh, not going to happen. You guys going to put together some kind of local podcast uh, recording? Maybe Christmas Carol? Uh, I don't know. I said, I said, Dale, um, let's have a drink. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm picking Iron Fist. He's like, oh, no, I can't, uh, I can't do it anymore. Well, he it's probably like, doesn't have, he doesn't have this kind of job where he can just gallivant around the country and just drink at all hours of the day. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, a possibility, put it on the, too. Put it on the corporate card. Yeah, it's, that's because he's that. not even working that day. I'm sure he's working <laughs> from home. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm actually off. Uh, get this. Uh, <laughs> just me and the kids all next week. You really? want to see a father. You want to get the reality TV cameras over here. Oh, God. Get some, get some raw footage of a father losing his mind. <laughs> just set the Twitter account. At Dale underscore A to auto fave all next week. You're going to want to oh, save yeah. all that gold. Set your faves to stun that week. Get the ether ready, Dale. Oh my God. Get it ready. I might just like, I, I think I might just put it in their humidifiers and mist it throughout the house. That's probably the best thing. <laughs> just <laughs> dual humidifiers. That, and that would buy me, that'll buy me a few minutes of tweeting time every, you know. The they're, idea they're of that. Envision. I just got a vision of you being arrested. It reminded me of the the Philadelphia man that was finally arrested for soliciting 
sexual intercourse with a stick of cheese. Have you guys read that story yet? <laughs> a cheese wheel, yeah. <laughs> I thought you had that expunged off your record, son. Oh, God. Uh, I just got a mental image of Dale, all the lights out, in his kitchen, drinking a scotch over the sink, and just the hum of uh, humidifiers in the background. Just... Like it would be like the f- camera would focus on me and my highball glass, but like it blurry in the background, like out of focus would be like kids face down on the hardwood floor. <laughs> God, <laughs> just like stumbled like where they f- wherever they were, they just stumbled over. Just the, and me singing, framed in the dim blue light of the Vicks vapor rub uh, humidifier going off, and me singing uh, opera like one of the Fratelli brothers <laughs> from Goonies. No, I think you'd be doing. <laughs> Driven to tears, <laughs> and then fade to black. Maybe the, the last line would be like, "I told him I could f and do it." Fade to black. Yeah, high five, Dale. High five, self. I would just keep <laughs> muttering to myself. Oh, oh wow. you know, we just got a letter. If you want to end Uh-oh. the show on this letter, oh man, yeah, hot let's off wrap, the wire. Let's wrap this up. Wrap it up. A few quick thoughts. One, the end of Infinity was garbage. <laughs> Two, started reading Nova at number one so I can read Duggan's issues. Love what Loeb and then Zeb have done so far. I uh, just heard today breaking that uh, Beta Ray Bill would be on the next issue of Nova. Uh, Always a a crowd pleaser, that Beta Mm -hmm. Ray Bill. I like Michael Douglas just fine, but what the heck is he doing playing Hank Pym? Uh, Hank Pym will be 69 years old in the movie. We'll see where that takes us. I have some inside inside news nuggets on that. Liked, liked most of the Wolverine. Days of Future Past is looking great. Five, a complete run book club idea. The Stuff of Legend. I remember Jonesy mentioned it a while ago. I have it all now and need a reason to finish it. Great Keep up the quality legend. casting peeps at Dragonfro, king of all letter writers. <laughs> there was a... Even the director tweeted it. I, his name escapes me of Ant-Man. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright Burroughs. He tweeted a link interview that he had on like SuperheroHype.com in 2006 when he first started talking about the Ant-Man movie. And he eventually he pretty much let slip that his original idea was the Hank Pym character would be older because he would be like a... He was a big time hero in the '60s, and he's like retired. And uh-huh. uh, Lang is a burglar, so that's how they intersect. And then, like the finale of the movie is them working together, you know, as Ant Men, I guess. And it was pretty interesting that that I don't know that that interview happened so long ago, and now it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah, wow that that's really kind of cool. I wonder if that's I mean, going to kind of stick to that concept. I want, yeah, I wonder if they'll stick to that if like. They would have Ant Man being a thin a thing decades before Iron Man or the Avengers. I don't know, or maybe he won't be a superhero. He's just like an old scientist. Hmm. Old footy. Infinity. You heard your first garbage. I actually kind of liked it. Sorry, Dragon Fro. <laughs> 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 That's how we're doing it. <laughs> Stuff of legend, I never stuff of legend, Rucka style. What do you think? I mean, we did stuff of legend back, paper keg comic or a nerdcast comics episode. Yeah, might be. Wow, check the archives. If that that probably doesn't even exist on the internet, I have to pull it up out of like a hard drive or Dropbox somewhere. My gosh, 
Heaven's Divine Seed. The binary code etched to a stone wall somewhere. <laughs> you don't even code. know what that means, Jonesy. No it's idea. It's O's and ones, babe. I got it. <laughs>